All right. Um, this is it, y'all. This is the last week of Shipwrecked. Um, we've been talking about creating unsinkable relationships. And what I have heard, I've heard, I've heard the buzz, like I've heard y'all talking about it. And what I've learned is the one thing you have taken away from this series is you have created ship names for yourselves. It's the one thing I've taken away from this series, which is, which is cool. Um, we're going to be today, it's kind of a weird thing. We're going to be, by the way, some of you, I know you do go online and you do get the outline and you follow along as I'm talking to make sure I'm almost done. I know that's what happens. Um, and it's not there this morning. So I did that intentionally because I want you to lean in. So get your note sheets out. I want you to really lean in and listen. Not that you don't listen if you're following along, but um, that's intentional. So don't think it's, don't let that throw you. Um, today we're going to be, I've never, I don't think I've ever done this. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, the whole chapter. Bridget sent me a text yesterday and she was like, is there like a key verse for tomorrow? And I said, Ephesians 4. The whole thing. So go ahead and find it in your Bible, on your app, whatever. While you're doing that, let's quickly recap. Um, week 1, we talked about alignment. In case you don't remember that, we've been talking about things that can help us create unsinkable relationships. And so we talked about the power of alignment, right? That we want to, Amos 3, 3 says, if you don't agree, you can't walk together. So we talked, like, you got to agree to walk together. Sometimes we're not in alignment, and so we're tug of war against each other. We're doing good things, and you could be in your relationships doing good things, but you feel like you're fighting against each other, and that's why. Week 2, we talked about attachment. Remember that? Uh, gorilla glue. We talked about getting a big old tub of gorilla glue and attaching ourselves to the goodness of God. And that if we would attach ourselves to the goodness of God, then what would we carry with us everywhere we go? The goodness of God, right? So every relationship you're in, you would be in that relationship and you would bring the goodness of God with you. Last week, week three, didn't Adam do a good job? Holy cow. Like, I don't always like to do the video editing because it means I have to hear myself again. But I loved it last week because I was just like editing, taking notes, editing, taking notes. And you did a fantastic job. I want to make sure you know this. Um, man, we are blessed as a church because when, when we can make a phone call at the last minute and then we have people that are already in tune to the spirit and already have a word and just stepped up. Because I even told them, like, you don't have to do it. You don't have to make it fit the series and then like it did, and he talked about last week the not-so-secret sauce of relationships, right? And all these ingredients that we need to be putting into our relationships. And it was so good. I just wanted you to know I really, really appreciated it. It was amazing. Um, God, great job. Today, I don't know if this is a good way to end it, but we're going to end it this way. I want to warn you about the, the one thing that can shipwreck our relationships more than anything else. So I believe this is the number one relationship killer. And here it is. Are you ready for this? Secrets. Okay, so I wanted to say, like, secrets are like an iceberg. Right? I wanted to play the clip from the Titanic, but all of us, don't you like to try to speak with a British accent? Do you want to try to do it right now? Iceberg dead ahead, right? Like, I could, you're like, I could do better than that, right? We should like, as, that could be like our congregational response of reading. I would go, iceberg, and you'd go, dead ahead, right? Okay, well, we're going to stop right there. Um, but secrets are like an iceberg, aren't they? Like you can't see them, and they can destroy a relationship. So this morning, we're going to talk about that. Before we jump into Ephesians 4, I want to make sure, um, and you'll talk about this in your community, in your growth groups, community, I mean, community groups more this week, because this is a really important distinction. What is the difference between keeping a confidence and keeping a secret? Okay? 
Because if you study, I'm going to give you, by the way, in just a minute, a, like a ton of scriptures for you to write down, and you can read them later, all about how God loves to expose things. Don't let that scare you, okay, yet. And we're all breathing heavy, like, oh, what's he going to expose, right? Um, but the difference between keeping a confidence and keeping a secret. So here's a couple things to keep in mind. Keeping a confidence is based in love. Keeping a secret is based in fear. Keeping a confidence brings things into the light. Maybe not immediately, right? But if a friend came to you and said, I need to share this with you. I need you to keep it in confidence. Our response should be, thank you for trusting me enough to share that with me. And we're going to walk together with this thing that you share with me into the light that God brings. So keeping a confidence brings things into the light. But keeping a secret keeps things in the dark. Don't tell anybody. Keeping a confidence is part of the healing process. Keeping a secret is part of the hiding process. It's really, really important, right? Here's some verses. You ready to jot them down? Get your pencils ready or pens. I'm not going to read them. I'm just going to give you these, these references. Luke 8, 17. I'll go slow. Luke 8, 17. Luke 12, 3. John 1, 5. John 3, 19 through 20. We have no prizes, but congratulations. John 8, 12. Romans 13, 12. Some of y'all are like, Luke what? 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Ephesians 5, 8 and 11. 1 John 1, 5. When you take the time to read those scriptures, and there are many more, what you're going to see is it says things like those things that are whispered in the secret, God brings to the light. That he shines his light and that the darkness cannot overcome it. What I need you to understand is that God is all about exposing things. We're all about covering up, and he's all about uncovering but he doesn't do it because he wants to embarrass us. He does it because he wants to set us free from the power of shame. So secrets are all about shame, right? All about shame. If they only knew. And I would say another little difference between a confidence and a secret is a confidence is usually something, something personal that somebody else has shared with you. A secret is something personal that you're afraid to share about yourself with anybody else. Okay? All right. So, um, Ephesians chapter 4. Here's why secrets ruin relationships. Because you can never really live free with one another. I don't know this for personal from personal experience, but if I was a criminal, I would imagine that criminals have a hard time really ever relaxing because they're always looking over their shoulder waiting to be found out. And that's how secrets work in our lives. We have, you have an enemy who wants that for you. He wants you to never be able to quite relax in a relationship because what if they find out? And that's the power of shame and secrecy. And it'll kill relationships. So God's answer is the entire chapter of Ephesians 4, okay? So I'm assuming you're there. Here's what we're going to do. 
Uh, we're going to divide this chapter into two 16-verse segments, not because I'm smart, but because the people that do the Bible already did that, right? So the first 16 segments, first verses is one segment, and the next 16 is another. So it's perfectly divided into half. And here's what I'm going to call it. You can call it what you will. I'll give you a couple of, couple um, options. So I'm going to say the first 16 describe the goal, and the second 16 describe the grind. I know that sounds exciting, doesn't it? The goal and the grind. Um, if you're really into business, we could say that it's the hope and the hustle, okay? The hope and the hustle, the, gr the, the goal and the grind. I'll explain why we're calling it the grind in just a second. So let's talk about the first 16. Um, the verses are going to be up here. I'm going to read the first 16, and then we'll talk through it, okay? I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always, everybody say always. So right away, the standard is high, right? Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. So this, this is really important. There's diversity in unity, right? All those ones, like one, 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 and then he goes, but each one of you has a gift. This is why the scriptures say, and here's what's going to get a little bit confusing. I'll explain it in a minute. When he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended in the one, is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. Everybody say, that's me, the body of Christ. Say it like you believe it. That's me. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Fake news. Whatever that means to you, right? Here's our verse, okay? If you're going to highlight a verse, this is the one. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, and growing and full of love, here ends the reading of part one, the goal. Just seeing if you're with me. So what is the goal in our relationships? What is the goal according to those 16 verses? And here's what it is. If you're taking notes, write this down. The goal is a culture of love full of truth and free of fear. Those 16 verses we just read, that's the goal. A culture of love full of truth 
and free from fear. Now let's just kind of walk through a couple verses at a time. So like verse 1, Paul says this, I beg you, I urge you with everything I have. I'm like, please, if you don't do anything else, do this. Live a life worthy of the call. The first thing you got to know is you're called. Oh, gosh, you're also dead. What's up with that? You're called by God. You, not the gifted people in the room. You, the person next to you. Because if you don't understand that you're called, you're never going to do the next 15 verses that follow. you got to live a life worthy of your calling. He's got a plan for you. And here's the key. Where do we live a life that's worthy? Well, in earth, okay. Even more specifically, we're talking about it starts with R and ends with relationships. You live a worthy life in relationships. How do I know? Because verses 2 through 3 says that we're supposed to be humble, gentle, patient, gracious, tenacious, peaceful. Those happen in relationship. You don't have to be those things if you're on an island all by yourself. That happens because you're surrounded on earth by people. And so Paul says, look, live a life that's worthy of your call. And the way you're going to do that is you're going to be around people. And as you're living a life worthy of your calling uh, and you're around those people, you're probably going to find yourself needing to be humble, gentle, patient, gracious, tenacious, and peaceful. And why? Verse 7 through 11. What is the goal? The goal is so important. Those weird verses that talk about ascending and descending. I want you to get this. That's what Jesus did. And what Jesus did was so important. It was so important because that was part of the process. He did all of that to give us gifts to help us achieve a goal. It says, well, he ascended to the heights and led a captive group of crowded captives and gave gifts to his people. And then if you jump, jump down like a couple verses, it says these are the gifts he gave. And we read it, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, he gave gifts to the body. He did all the work on the cross, all the work in the grave. Everything that happened those three days that he wasn't around because he was dead and hadn't re, 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 risen yet. He did all those things so that we could receive the very things that could help us achieve the goal. And the goal, again, a culture where we can speak truth in love, even if we don't always say it with love. Can we camp out on verse 15 for just a second? How many of you are really good with words? Like you always win the arguments in your relationships. It's okay. Brag a little for a second. Raise your hand. It's okay that you're sitting next to the loser. It's okay. Raise your hand. Right? How many of you always lose even though you're pretty sure you're trying to say the right thing, but you can't get it out right? Raise your hand. Listen, this is really. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. 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 We got a lot of people that resonate with you. They're like. Mood, right? Relatable. <laughs> At me. Okay. Um, here's why this is so important. Now, I don't know if this is going to set you free like it did for me. 
the Scripture says that we're supposed to speak the truth in love, not with love. Now, it's good to be loving, right? But in love speaks of culture, where you are so free from fear because you know that you're accepted, that even if you say it the wrong way and it's not with love, you're not afraid of being rejected. The truth is still heard. And instead, we've taken that verse and said, oh, I think we're supposed to speak the truth with love. And so we, we walk on eggshells around one another. We, I don't know if I can really say that. Well, you feel like you can't say that because you're afraid of what will happen if you say it. And you're afraid of what will happen when you say it because there's a secret in your relationship and it's killing it. And God's not a God of secrets. Do you know that even, even the secret things of God, he has a verse that says he'll make those known to us? Being able to say what's right versus being afraid to say what's wrong. This is critical. And if our relationships, now just think one-on-one relationships, absolutely. We've got to have the freedom to speak truth in love, even if we can't say it the right way. But, man, in, in corporate settings like this, right? When, when like, what if you say it the wrong way and somebody gets offended and leaves? Like, that's our whole culture right now, isn't it? Like, you're, you used to have a lot of friends on social media and they just drop you like the plague because you posted one thing that didn't come across the way they thought it should have and they judged you and now they're out. We have a culture based in fear, not based in love. But the goal is a culture of love full of truth, free from fear. So that culture, if we have that culture, at least to verse 16, a body that is perfectly fit together. I know some of you are like, I work out all the time. I'm a Zumba master, right? If ever there was a body that fit perfectly together, it is mine, right? And then there's the rest of us, yes? But the goal, like we can relate to a body that's not quite fitting together. Yes, um, this past week, uh, it depends on when you would have shown up at my house, but I couldn't walk for a couple days. Like I, I, it's so funny because I think it was a couple of Sundays ago I mentioned to you that I've thrown my back out a few times in my life doing stupid stuff. Apparently I just threw it out doing nothing. I don't even know what I did. Like, like one, one night I'm sleeping on the couch and like Wendy woke me up and it was time to get up and I couldn't get up. So I just like literally I rolled off the couch onto my knees. It looked spiritual because it looked like I was praying. Like I just rolled right over to pray, but... I couldn't, I couldn't straighten my back out. Like, I can relate to bodies not fitting together perfectly. But I'm telling you, the goal is that this body, the relationships in our lives would fit together perfectly. They would work. They would be healthy. I love this. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of what? Love. Not fear. The goal is a culture of love full of truth, free from fear. And that leads us to the grind. And here's why I'm calling it the grind. Because y'all are so spiritual. That what we tend to think is, well, if the goal is that we would have this perfect body that fits together, then if we just pray hard enough, poof, it'll happen. But there's a grind that has to take place. I will submit this. The relationships that fail fail because of the grind. They don't fail because of the goal or there will never be weddings. Right? 
I mean, everybody stood at an altar and said, I do, I do, you do, we do. Hallelujah, let's go eat. Everybody's ever done that. They all agreed on the goal. The goal was to have a good relationship, a healthy marriage. The kind of marriage that, you, that your grandkids and their kids and their kids would brag about for generations. We agree on the goal. Marriages fail because of the grind. Job relationships fail because of the grind. Because the grind involves work. It involves making choices over and over and over again. It's not for the faint of heart. Because if the goal is a culture of love full of truth and free from fear, then the grind is a commitment to live in truth without fear. That's hard work. Because fear comes pretty naturally. It's easy to say, I am committed to a culture of love with Wendy. Like Culture of truth, full of love, free of fear. That's our goal. I can say that all day long. But the minute... I have a thought, oh, what if she finds out about that? It's just so much easier to go to the fear side. I can't let her ever know. And that's the difference between the goal and the grind. Because the grind has to be a commitment, a tenacious commitment that we will share it all. So, I love these last 16 verses. Let's read them and we're going to walk through it. Paul says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. This, I'm not preaching on this, but can I just tell you this? The goal of the Christian faith has never been information. The goal is transformation. I don't really care how much you and I know, and neither does the world. That verse, that's the goal. He says, with the Lord's authority, I say, and I'm paraphrasing, be different. Don't live like they live. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. That's what he's saying, right? That's good. Have fun. Bingo. Love it. All right, so here we go. Their minds are full of darkness. That's really important. If you highlight, circle that word, their, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Man, I love that. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. In my notes, I just highlighted that and I wrote it out on the side. Jesus is different. But that isn't what you learned about Christ because Christ doesn't work that way. Christ isn't like how the Gentiles live in darkness. What is Christ? He is the light of the world, right? Love that. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off all your old sinful nature in the former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature. Get you a new wardrobe. Get a new preaching jacket. So, Wendy, this past week, I've, it's because it's been cold, so I've got this yellow pullover fleece thingamajig, and I've worn it, like, every day because I love it. It's so warm and comfortable. And I had two people this week, like, just randomly, at the end of, at the, end of the conversation with me, they just looked at me and said, that's your color. Yellow is your color. I went home and told Wendy, I need to get new clothes. I need to get some yellow clothes. 
I should have been a real estate agent for Century 21, right? Put on some new clothes. Get some new clothes. It'll look good on you, I promise. It'll be your color. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So, you know, when there's a so, you got to say what, right? So, what? So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. That's pretty simple. Nobody ever read that verse and said, what does it mean, right? <laughs> Don't you wish all the Bible was like that? If we're, fixing to, we're fixing to go right into Leviticus. If you're doing a reading plan, we're going to be like in Leviticus, Leviticus going, can it just be like that? Anyway, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything, everybody say everything. Because this is the verse that we're all going to fail at, right? Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. We're not preaching about identity. But can I just say this to a Joshua generation who's struggling with their identity? He just said, remember, remember that he has identified you as his own. That's your identity. You know, like I was raised when it was popular to say, I'm a king's kid. And I hated it because I think it was probably used the wrong way. Like, I'm a king's kid. I can get whatever I want. So being a king's kid led to selfishness. But I am a king's kid, right? Like, I am the brother of Jesus. Y'all, do you get that? You are a, a son and daughter of the king. You are a, a, a brother or sister of Jesus. That changes us. He's identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. I love that verse because it means on your worst day, he's still the best at saving. Get rid of all, everybody say all. I oh, hate those words. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Holy cow, i got to go faster. All right, let's break down the grind, okay? And, and, and as we talk through this, you're going to see why it's a grind, all right? This is where relationships change. If we choose to live those relationships in the light, this is what can happen. Verse 17, he said to change how you live. Verse 18, he said to no longer live in darkness. Because in verse 18, he said darkness separates us from God. In verse 19, he said that darkness keeps us focused on ourselves. But, everybody say but. but. Verse 20, Jesus is different. He is the light that repels the darkness. Verse 21, here's what, here's what light does. Light brings truth. Verse 23, light brings change. Verse 24, light brings godliness. 
And then verse 25, that famous verse, it says, so, and we were like, so what? Here's what Paul's saying. Since light is so much more powerful than darkness, live in truth. Refuse to live in secrecy. Verses 26 to 27, if you're struggling in your relationships, these are verses for you. Anything less than truth opens us up to offense with others and attacks from the enemy. Paul said, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't, don't be angry and sin because if you do, you're giving the enemy a foothold. This is really practical and spiritual. Here's what he's saying. If you go to bed angry, you're waking up in the morning feeling a little bit better because you're going to have coffee and you're going to forget to deal with what you were angry about. And so you're going to go through the next day and go, well, we don't really need to talk about it now because I feel better. And then eventually you're going to get angry again. You're going to go to sleep. And every time you do that, one more brick in the wall, right? I heard the song in my head. You can go ahead and sing it in your head too. I got it. And eventually you have a wall. That's what offense is. So secrecy leads to offense. It also, the Bible says, opens us up to attacks from the enemy. Why can't I defeat the enemy? Why can't I live in freedom? I'll tell you why. Because you got secrets. I've got secrets. Why can't our relationship be godly? Because there's secrecy. But truth. I love this. Here's what truth does. Verse 28. I'm going to go fast. Truth makes us better workers. Quit stealing. Do something productive with your hand. I love that. Truth makes us, verse 29, more encouraging. Everybody likes to be around encouraging people. Can I get an amen? Verse 30. Truth makes us more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Man, I want that, y'all. I want to I walk into Walmart and I want to hear the Holy Spirit say, dude, you need to go on the women's perfume aisle. And I'll be like, do what? And I just want to walk over there and find out there's an appointment that I'm, somebody I'm supposed to talk to. You need to go get a big bag of dog food. I don't need dog food. Go. I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And, and truth does that. When we live lives that are marked by truth, it does that. Verse 31, we read a whole bunch of stuff. Get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. I just wrote down that truth makes us less toxic. And, man, don't you want to be around less toxic people? They want to be around you when you're less toxic as well. Truth makes us less toxic. And in verse 32, truth makes us more forgiving. So in short, here's what it means. If secrets are the number one relationship killer, then truth is the number one relationship healer. Now, we, we've got to bring this to an end. So I'm going to uh, try to get somewhat practical. Let me answer the question that you're all thinking. Does this mean that all of us need to come clean and share everything that we've ever done with anyone who will listen? Maybe. What I know it does mean for absolute certainty is that we're supposed to come clean with our Lord. That we're supposed to confess to him the secrets of our heart. So that he can bring them into the light however he chooses. Right? Um, it means a commitment. Here's your big idea. Don't conceal what God reveals. Now, he doesn't reveal everything all at the same time. Right? 
So there's probably stuff in my life, no doubt, that I shouldn't have said probably, there's stuff in my life that he could bring out from my past anytime he wants to. But if he hasn't brought it out, I can't do anything with it. But if he reveals it, then what we just read in Ephesians 4 says, i, I got to deal with it. I can't conceal it, especially in relationships. And I know this is true because I'm human too. How many times have you thought about a person in your life, whatever relationship it is, work, friendship, family, spouse, marriage, whatever, and you thought to yourself, I need to talk to him about that, and you didn't do it. It didn't get better, did it? Not usually because God puts his hand on something, and he brings it to the surface so that in a culture of truth full of love, free from fear, you can deal with it. Now, I have brought in my favorite speaker to help us wrap this up. And Wendy, come on. She's so good. She's so good. <laughs> Do you want a chair? Do you want some of my water? Okay. She's, oh, she's like, I'm not going to be here that long. That's funny. Y'all might not know this about Wendy, but Wendy, um, she, I hope you're okay with me saying this. I didn't ask you before. But she's a prophet. She has, she, and this is new. This has not been happening that I know of your whole life. But in the last few years, she has these dreams. And she'll share them with me. And I'm just like, I don't know what it means, but we're going to find out. Because that's amazing. Just really crazy dreams, very specific. And about a year and a half ago, we were having our morning coffee. And she shared a dream with me. And and it, it changed our marriage. And so I've asked her to come. She's going to take care of sharing the dream because she was like, you better get it right. And I said, well, I'm going to get it right because you're going to share it, right? And I'm going to be listening really close because she can't be here second service, so I'll be able to make sure I say it the right way. And then I'll tell you what it did for us. You ready? How do we welcome people to the gathering? Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, So this dream, so if you know me, um, there's a few things that I get scared of, and Spiders is one of them. So I'm working on my fears, working on my fears. Um, but in this dream, um, uh, Paul and I were in our bedroom. We were asleep in bed. And I, yes, yes. Um, I woke up, sat up, and, um, you know, there was dim light in the room. And um, there were spiders everywhere. I mean, just little spiders everywhere. And um, so I woke him up. But I wasn't afraid because he sat up and he started to take care of them. He started to swat them and kill them and smash them and do all those things that you do to spiders when you see them. Um, They were covered everywhere in the room. Um, What stuck out to me was, and again, I didn't know what any of this dream meant. That's why I shared it with Paul. Um, But um, what stuck out was the fact that I wasn't afraid of these spiders um, getting on me or hurting me at all. Well, as he was taking care of the spiders in the bedroom, I noticed out of the corner of my left eye that there was something on the wall. And as I turned, there was an enormous spider there. Again, I wasn't afraid, but I realized that Paul is taking care of business, but if we didn't take care of this, that we would be doing this all over again. We'd be killing these spiders. And that's it. 
Thank you. I love you. Yeah. I know, I know it's hard. To, it's hard to clap when somebody says spiders that many times because spiders are just nasty. <clears throat> so she shares this with me that morning, and and I'm immediately like, "What's the spider? What is the spider?" And and what she didn't know was this was a year and a half ago. This was a season in our lives when we were really busy. We were busy trying to get into this building. Um, I was tired. And I've always done the finances in our house, always. And a month before she shared this story with me, I had gotten a letter from Blue Cross and Blue Shield that said, you don't have insurance anymore because I had missed a payment. And um, I had missed a payment. And I didn't realize missing that payment meant that it, it kicked something in place that with Obamacare, if you miss, if you're like, two payments behind, then you, they just cancel your insurance. And I was, I called them, I'm like, I just missed one payment. And they're like, yeah, but you missed a payment in the summer too. And so you've missed two payments and so you don't have insurance. And so I was like, what do you do with that? I can't tell Winnie that because like, what if somebody gets, I don't even know what to do with that. And so I was feeling all this shame about that and um, this pressure financially. And then she shares this with me. And so while she's telling me this, what I'm thinking is, oh God, it's, it's our finances. And I've always been, like, trying to, you ever, like, the expression you borrow from Peter to, you rob Peter to pay Paul, is that what it is? So, to me, that was, like, very naturally, oh, the spiders, like, the little spiders, like, I'm taking stuff from here to take care of that, but then there's this, and if you've ever been in any situation where you're putting out lots of fires, that's what it feels like. But I didn't say any of that to her because the shame, right? And I'm also, like, saying to God, okay, what does it really mean? If that's not it, what does it mean? And, and by the way, I'm not saying any of that because the church doesn't take care of us. It's just I'm an idiot, right? So, um, <clears throat> and about a month later, I'm on, I'm on one of my runs on a Saturday, and I'm listening to a podcast, and it, it's got nothing to do with money, but the guy that's being featured on the podcast is, is, had just written a book. And so the guy's asking about the book, and like, you know, your book has a really interesting title. Um, how'd you come up with that? Well, the title of the book was Kill the Spider. I'm like, seriously, God? What exactly are you saying? I'm a slow listener and a slow learner, right? And so even with all of that, um, it might have been more than a month. It might have been a couple of months. But I came back from that run, and I knew that we had to talk. And so we sat down, wasn't long after that, over morning coffee, because everything's better with coffee. And, um, <clears throat> and I told her, I have something I have to tell you. Um, because we, we did Dave Ramsey a while back. This is not, by the way, an advertisement for next week when we start FPU. But if you're not in financial peace and you need it, you should probably come. Um, we did that years ago. And if you had asked Wendy before we had this conversation, are you debt free? She would have said, yeah. And I realized that the spider that she saw, the big spider that she saw wasn't finances. It was my unwillingness to bring her into it. It was my willingness to keep a secret from her. And so I said, look, we're going to have a conversation, and I'm just going to lay it, lay it all out there, and I don't know what you're going to do. And so we had this conversation about where we really were. Now, look, it won't surprise you to know that we're not debt-free right now because we have kids in college, right? So that shouldn't be a surprise. Um, but it wasn't even that. It was that she would have thought we were. And I just came clean. And she said, well, let's kill the spider. 
And so we are killing the spider. I will say this. We've probably not had this level of closeness in our marriage as long as I can remember. And we, I remember walking on the beach with you years ago. And I turned to her and I said, we have a good marriage, but I don't want a good marriage. I want a great marriage. But I kind of said that thinking we already had a great marriage. And she would go, oh, we already do, right? It's like you say it and you get points for it, right? But after this thing, the kill the spider thing, I realized that was the price for a great marriage. Now, we're not saying all this to make us look like heroes because we still got plenty of stuff to work through. I'm saying all this because you can't conceal what God reveals. I'm not telling you to go to lunch with your, the people you like if it's a spouse, if it's a, if you're, if it's a fiance, if it's a work environment. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you to ask God to bring to light the things in your life that you've kept hidden. And if you'll do that and then you'll deal with what he tells you, you will find your relationships closer and tighter than they've ever been before, even if it's harder to get to that point. Last thing, and then we'll close. If you've seen the movie The War Room, that man ended up going to his employer and confessing to his employer things that he had done. And did he keep his job? No. But the secret was gone. Because the goal is a culture of love, full of truth, free of fear. Do you know, I have zero fear of Wendy finding something out in my life. And if this is, this might be too personal, I'm not sure, but we'll close here. Um, a week or two ago, I got an email, and it said in the email, Paul, your password is, and it showed me my password, and then it's the next paragraph said, and we have the, the browsing history from this adult website, and if you don't pay us a certain amount of money by this date, we're going to release the history of that website, and you're going to be exposed. Me just telling you that email made some of you dudes start sweating. You know the first thing I thought? This would be a really scary email if I ever met that website. But since I've never been there or any others like them, bring it on, right? I ain't going to, you're not bribing me. There's nothing to bribe me with. I ain't scared. That is the goal. That is a body that is healthy and growing. And what God wants in your relationships is for them to be healthy and growing, to be strong, to be together, to have this intimacy where there are no secrets between you and the people that you're in relationships with, not because you're sharing all the junk, but because when God puts his finger on it and says, kill the spider, you're like, okay, God, we're going to have a conversation and we're going to kill the spider. I need you to close your eyes and bow your head. Because I need to ask you this question. And you'll get asked again in community group. And you don't have to answer it out loud there. You don't have to answer it out loud here. But I have to ask you the question. What is your spider? And more than likely, it's not the first thing you thought of. The first thing you thought of is probably what you need to take to the Lord in prayer and ask him to dig a little deeper about that to see what the real spider is. But I can guarantee you that you probably have one. 
There's probably a spider in your relationship. And he's provided you with people, if they're living Ephesians 4, who have created a culture of love where you can talk about that thing and have them say the same thing to you that Wendy said to me. Well, you kind of blew that, but let's go kill the spider. And that's what God wants for you more than anything else. And if you are obedient and you say yes to that, let me tell you what will happen on the other side. Man, you are going to get through the grind together, and you're going to have this relationship that's stronger than it's ever been before. And the healing process will begin. How many of you can relate and say, listen, I hear what you're saying, and there's something in our, there's something that God's revealed to me. There's a spider that I know I've got to take care of. And will you pray that God would give me the courage and the boldness to do it? Would you just raise your hand? Thank you so much. Anybody else before we close? All right, let's pray together. Father, I thank you, God, that you are all about relationships. You don't want us just to have them. You want them to be healthy and strong and growing. And so this morning, God, as we bring this series to a close, all the things that we've talked about, you know, being aligned and attaching ourselves to your goodness, these great ingredients that we can have in our relationships, all of those are great, but God, the, the, the big iceberg, the thing that we can't see is what can take us down. And so I'm thankful this morning that I can pray with boldness to a father of light who loves to bring things into the light because you want to free us from this blackmail-like fear that the enemy holds over us. You want to set us free. And I'm praying for those that raise their hands this morning. Man, you, God, you want them to have a breakthrough in their relationships where they are not afraid any longer of somebody finding out something because you are the God who's bringing it into the light so that it can be dealt with and it can be healed. Lord, I pray over relationships at the gathering, at, in, in our work relationships, friendships, romantic relationships, God, in our marriages. I'm praying that we would live to see a culture of love full of truth and free of fear. Would you stand together with me? I'm going I'm to say this one word, okay, before we leave, and it seems like easy picking, but I'm going to say it for a reason. So as I was praying, porn came to mind. Okay? Porn is not a male problem. Porn is a human problem. And here's why I'm saying it. Because some of you in your relationships are going to need to have a conversation about that. And what I want you to know is that porn is not your spider. The spider is the stuff in you that drives you to it that you'll never tell anybody. And so I'm going to, because I'm, I'm telling you this now because I'm going to pray that as a closing prayer. That's a weird way to close church, isn't it? It was great, porn. <laughs> but I really feel like, the, like the, the Holy Spirit just put that on my heart. And so I want to encourage you, right, 
Like, it's not enough just to go, like, yeah, I struggle with that. Right. With 99% of the people that are here. Why do you struggle with that? That's the spider. That's the secret. And he wants you to have a relationship where you can share that. Right? And so if that's something that's going to relate in your life, I'm just going to pray over you. And then we're going to high-five each other and go home. Is that cool? And I'm here if you want to talk, man, anytime. Anytime. Father, in your name, Jesus, we just pray specifically over that. Lord, um, you are a God who is not afraid of the things that we try to keep hidden. That's why you want to bring them to the light, because you, you can kill it. And so I pray right now over people in this room your, that your Holy Spirit is dealing with in that area. I just pray that you would give them freedom from the fear of that ever being found out. And I pray that you would do what you promised in Psalm 139, search them and know them and see if there's any offensive way, and then lead them to life. Uncover the motives, God. Uncover the hurts, the pains, the disappointments that have, that have driven them there. And let that begin to breathe your life. Because that's the spider that has to die. And I just speak life and healing and hope over this body. That this is a place, God, where we can say what we think, we can say what we feel, and even if we say it wrong, the culture of love here is powerful enough and can handle it. That here we can speak the truth in love. And we thank you, God, in your name, Jesus. Amen.